You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Jason Resnick. He's a fellow podcaster. His podcast is Live in the Feast. He's over at res.com. That's R-E-Triple-Z.com. And we're going to be having a conversation today around the ideal client. It seems obvious. We may think we know uh, how to you know, develop this ideal client or this customer avatar, or this perfect customer, and what it's all about. But there's, there's a lot going on there. And if you get it wrong, if you mess it up, uh, or you just ignore it, you're, you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. But first, Jason, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's finally great to have a chat with you face-to-face and not through 140 or 250 characters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is the power of modern social media marketing. I feel like it took me um, maybe like five years to figure out what Twitter actually, like what it was and how it works. Like I, and I've seen you on there and as a fellow podcaster, um, you have a lot of great content and, um, and you're also engaged in the online community, which is important, uh, especially in WordPress and web design and mm-hmm. Uh, marketing and all this stuff so it's uh but then there is the actual meeting and then maybe one day i'll see you at a conference and we'll meet in person <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so um let's start with like how do you define the ideal customer like what why is this so important but like more importantly like what is it is it is it your best customer is it somebody you kind of make up based on patterns you see like what is it well that's a big question but I think it's really one. I like to differentiate between an ideal client and an, and a niche or specialty, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people confuse the two or, or blur the two rather, right? And so when I talk about ideal client, I'm actually talking about the person, the or the people that I'm working with or engaging with on the project, because it could be very different. Like I, I could be specializing in nonprofits that are, you know, like they run events and races and things of that nature. Um, and the people that are running it could be baby boomers, right. Or something like that. And maybe I just don't gel with that type of person. So they wouldn't be my ideal client, but my niche could be nonprofits. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I, I like to start is just, to identify what we're talking about here as far as the ideal client goes and not necessarily your specialty or your niche. <clears throat> but the ideal client in a way is, and you, you said it perfectly, like it's, it's not somebody that you make up, but it's somebody that you have seen patterns with, right? And so you, know, you could gravitate towards guys or girls, or you could gravitate towards a certain age or something of that nature. But more importantly, I think it's more on the personality side of things, right? And so I, 
it took a long time for me to figure out who my ideal client was. I'm opinionated. I have no problems telling people what's on my mind. Um, I go into client engagement saying, hey, look, I'm going to come to the table with my experience. I'm going to come to the table with some assumptions of what I understand about your business. And I'm going to challenge you. And I want you to do the same for me. And so sometimes people aren't, you know, receptive to that. They're like, whoa, like slow down a little bit, right? I've had that. And other people are like, that's welcomed. Like, and so you really have to, for me and how I figured out my ideal client was one, I was very much a generalist way before I even started in the WordPress space and just iterating through client projects and people and different industries and things of that nature. But then once I realized what I wanted to do for my clients and who I wanted to work with, then that's when I started paying attention to little things. Um, you know, just the rapport that I have with somebody, are they okay with the fact that I'm a solo owned an operated business? Um, I work from home, right? So I got my kids toys in the background, right? And so like, that's where, you know, some people are okay with and some people aren't. So those are the sort of things that I start to put in front of when I, when I start to filter people and I try to throw it out there because I can't change who I am. Um, so I start to try to figure out those characteristics of that ideal client, if you will. So there's a bunch of like honesty there and just like self-reflection. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of like psychographics, like they have to be coachable not only do they have to be coachable, they have to be open to having a uh, work with a professional who's going to be providing feedback and maybe taking some stands on an opinion. Um, they, you need people that are trusting and not like a, it's like this adversarial and you just tell me what to do relationship. Um, this is really cool. I mean, tell us more about your who, what, what other characteristics did you find? Yeah. So <clears throat> I still kind of, I mean, I've been in business now for almost 10 years, right? Just running my own business. And still to this day, I'm still refining it. It's uh, never done. It's a work in progress. Right. 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 And so when I really started to like hone in on this, this sort of exercise, if you will, um, and like you said, like, oh, all of a sudden I have these three clients are awesome to work with. I enjoy Like I get up in the morning and I know that I'm going to be working on these projects and it kind of excites me. And then all these other three, yeah, the project's cool, but I don't really want to talk to these people <laughs> and like so on and so forth. Right. So like you kind of start getting that. So then what, what I found was, and I've built out a sort of a framework for myself and I've, I've put my coaching clients through it and things like that, but it's a framework where you're actually reflecting on the projects and the people that you'd like to work with. Um, and really what it is, is asking questions of the person and or the project to kind of really start getting the characteristics out of it. Like, what do you like about it? What gets you amped up about it? What don't you like? Like, what gets you bummed about, you know, even getting out of bed to work on this thing or work with this person? Um, and you just make a list of what this is. And I call it the client quad because there's, uh, you know, a process around it. But really what happens is, is that you have just a bullet list of characteristics of what you like and what you don't like. 
And once you have those list of characteristics, then you start to say, hey, you start to look for those good qualities. And you start to actually say, hey, look, these are red flags over here. Like if somebody hits these sort of things like micromanagement, or like you said, they're not open to feedback. Um, they're looking for just a pair of hands on the keyboard rather than somebody that's like a partner and really wants to have good success with this and we're working together for the same goal. Um, these are some of my red flags, right? And so I always say to people, like just because it's a red flag for me doesn't mean it's a red flag for somebody else. But the, the things that I look for are, you know, one, like I said before, they have to realize that I'm just me. I don't have a team behind me, so we're going to prioritize the tasks and work. And if things shuffled, well, deadlines get shuffled, right? And so, because I, I can only do so much, right? Um, so they have to be accepting of that. Um, and sure, I've had people come through that wanted to give me money, and they were like, "You sure, you you have nobody else to do work for you?" <laughs> no, it's just me. And people say, like, we'd much rather have an agency. We would, we would have loved to hire you, but we would have much rather had an agency. And that's fine. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, <clears throat> some of the other characteristics that I look for, I actually now put on my project brief, which is an application that happens before I even get on a sales call. And what I do for my clients essentially is, is to help them with their email marketing, help them create more customers, create repeat customers, build them automation that ties into their website and their email system, email platform, specifically ConvertKit. So when I, what I do helps those that already have a list that are engaging with their list and so on and so forth. So one of the questions I ask is how big is your list? One of the questions I ask is, are you on ConvertKit? And if you answer no, are you looking to transfer to ConvertKit? And if you say no, then okay, well, we're not going to be a good fit, right? And I just have to say no. Um, so I, I put these things on the project brief because that helps me filter through and not waste time. And I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste their time. And so coming up with whatever my ideal client is um, allows me to do that. I have specific questions on there that I'm actually looking to see the personality of the person that's filling this out as well. Um, meaning, have they thought about it, the project? Meaning, uh, are they just cutting and pasting what they filled into somebody else's form? I can tell these things when I get these form submissions. And for me, that's like, okay, then they're just looking for a pair of hands. They just want somebody to write lines of code or write an email or build them an automation. And that's not me. Like there are more cost effective options than me in that well. And so that's, I, I try to figure out what the, that list of characteristics are that I actually really enjoy. Um, but I also, it's important to know the list of characteristics that you don't want to and be able to try to use those to vet as you start to do your sales process with them. I love that stuff about what you don't want. Like, um, I mean, I, I built an agency up to 17 people and, uh, you know, some of the things I would look out for that I don't want is I need a client that's going to be capable of getting me the content. And I don't, I didn't really have a good filter for that in the front end, 
but uh, I love your idea of having your form. Just it's not just about what's your budget. I mean, that's the beginner move. Like, do you have budget so that we don't waste each other's time or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so many things you can drill into, and even just uh, knowing that you're a ConvertKit specialist, immediately I started thinking about people I know who use ConvertKit. Like, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a filtering filtering mechanism. Um. And, and another one is that I need a client that can communicate effectively. And there's sometimes people like they, your client, you hear a horror story. There are a lot of horror stories where like freelancers disappear, but it also happens the other way where the client disappears and you can't get a hold of them and you need, you need some stuff to, to make the project successful. So I look for clear communication and um, I used to also look for um, somebody having an assistant because they're um it, it just i know that they're they're gonna there's a lot going on there's always more to a website project and then on the surface and they need they need if they have more help around them it's more likely to get done quicker i guess is what i'm saying because they already have a busy life but yeah. um yeah i mean to your point about the clear communication that's why i have my form um, yeah because if they don't even fill in the form at, or they fill it in with just cutting and pasting off of whatever other forms they filled out online. Yeah. I know that. And <clears throat> for me, I don't want to pick up a phone. Like yeah. that's that's not my form of communication. I communicate via email primarily, uh, Slack on occasion for some clients. Um, but then the call is kind of like a quick hit call. I don't want to have these epic long two and a half hour long, phone sessions like yeah that just destroys an entire day so if you can't fill out the form in the way that i ask on specific i tell them like things like i ask them for five goals right and i want smart goals meaning what's success look like for this project right and so if they say we just need more traffic or we need more email subscribers or we need this that and the other i'm like okay well that's you're in the ballpark, I guess, but like what's specific, like 20%, 50%, are we doubling your email list? Like, you know, what is specific about the goal, right? But if they're just increase, increase or whatever, for me, I'm like, okay, they didn't really even think about it. And so if I ask them a question while we're engaged and it's a logic question, just in case, like if I have to send something over to your sales team because they filled something out on a website or they clicked a certain link on an email and there's an automation that triggers off to that, that has to be super specific so that the experience is right for both your team as well as your potential customers. So that I look for that level of detail there to know if they can communicate via email through a form essentially right so uh, i'm with you on that the clear communication i didn't even think about the assistant thing but for me i'm like i just want to do i don't i almost don't want anybody in between right like i would much rather just you need the decision maker right yeah yeah there's benefits to that too well let's let's do it we're going to come back to um to focusing on building sites for clients but I just want to do a quick fun exercise with you. You and I are both like podcasters, right? <laughs> so uh, we have, um, what do you know about me as a guy who's spent a lot of time thinking about um, uh, d- 
defining your perfect client and stuff like that. Like, what do you know about me simply by the fact that I'm similar to you in some ways related to podcasting? Like what's, what's, what's some customer avatar stuff or just avatar stuff you know about me because of what we do? Like podcaster is the industry, right? But right. what am I as a avatar? If you had so, to guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, putting me on the spot here, but I mean, as far as from a podcasting perspective, I mean, obviously when we started working, you know, on coordinating this date, um, f from my end, you know, like it was quick. It was like, Hey, this is, is this the date good? Is this, you know, and we did yeah. it over Twitter. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. it was like, there wasn't really a formal thing to it. Right. Like it was like, you know, Hey, look, but we're going to talk about this. We're going to meet at this time. Good. Awesome. Off. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, and that's cool. Like that, that's in part how I do it. I do a V email. I would, I take it off of Twitter and I just basically say, here, I'm going to send you an email with the link in it and so on and so forth. Just so that in my own ecosystem, I track it. I yeah. like, I just make sure everything's good to go. But I've been on guest podcast, <laughs> podcast before where it's like super formal yeah i even had one where i we did a phone screen first and i was like a phone screen like all right that's new right <laughs> and so i mean it, to each his own but for me i like the casual kind of like you know like all right let's just do it like that podcasting for me i've been doing it for so long how long like i've been doing it since 2014 yeah, that's what I think that's when I started mine. And that, so part of the reason why I didn't need to have a phone call and I don't do screen calls or anything, but normally there's more, there's more process, but I've known about you for years. I've listened to several of your shows. Like I know what's inside the box. So I'm already, you're already qualified. It's, it's really just a formality. Right. And yeah, so, add, <laughs> yeah. add, add to your point, like if there's another podcast host, then I just go listen to the show and I'm like, all right, we're good. But if there's <laughs> not, and yeah. I can't even find a podcast that they've been on before, then I'm like, let's just have like a 15 minute conversation first. Yeah. As a podcaster, it's got to be, you know, person can't just be knowledgeable, but they have to also, you know, there's got to be some story there to it, right? Like there has to be some entertainment value there too. So for me, it's like, podcast to podcast host like that's easy it's a quick win other people might have to go down the road a little bit but you know for me like i said like my first podcast was wp dev table and i did it with bronson quick and later on tom harrigan and it was so informal <laughs> we were basically pulling up google hangouts pushing go live and then talking into you know just the, even the like the, our headsets from our phones right and like yeah. It was maybe once a month. Like it was so irregular. It was ridiculous. But it, that for me is what podcasting is. And so when I run into other folks that are a little bit more casual um, in it, it's just, it's a refreshing sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you saying that. And since we're on the topic of podcasting, what, what impact has it had on you as a service provider? It's built my business. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, this week, in fact, well, at the time of this recording, uh, two days ago, I came out with an episode for season seven. And season seven of the, the podcast is actually about the ideal client. Um, yeah. But I talked about, because it started out with an email that I sent out to my list 
of why I started podcasting in the first place. I got such a great response from that. Um, I was like, I should just make a podcast about this. Be pretty meta about it. But, um, But the thing was, is podcasting allowed me to also help shape who I serve right? My ideal client as well. Um, the, the podcast that I referenced was, it was a loose, we called it a irregular, what, is, what how do we say it? A loose, irregular podcast of geeks sitting around a table talking, right? And so we would have a green room beforehand and after, and it was all WordPress folks. And just hearing and engaging in the conversation afterwards because there would be like three or four of us on a call hearing their stories of client interactions and things like that of like oh i don't want that i got to keep an eye out for that one right or like hey how do i get a client like that where'd you find that client or you know that sort of a thing and so that helped me in the early stages really start to figure out who i served well um, but also to hear who i could talk to more Right. And that network of guests that we had on the show, had it not been for the podcast, I would have never met them or maybe chance encountering at a WordCamp or something like that. But it, I got work from them and I referred work to them. And so it helped our businesses in a way grow our networks and had I not done that podcast that just the Google Hangout randomly every month, um, I don't know that we'd be talking, right? And so I know how podcasting has impacted my business, and that's why I'd much rather do a podcast um, than write a blog post. I know that podcast in and of itself had 19 episodes. Uh, I know 19 tweets. I know 19 Facebook shares. I know 19 Instagram stories. I know all, 19 anything in this day and age would have never done anything that 19 episodes did for me. So for me, I'm all about podcasting um, and how it's been able to build my business, but also shape who I serve and and become a go-to person. I became the WooCommerce guy for a while. You know, people were just like, oh, you're the WooCommerce guy on the, on the podcast. Uh, you know, can you help me out? And so, like you said before, it's more referable. You start to hear, you know, because that's what I talked about all the time on the show was WooCommerce. And so for me, podcast is it. That's why I got this big microphone here. And, uh, you know, clients are always like, hey, what's that all about? Like, radio guy? But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just like, hey, yeah, I do podcasting. So. That's that's really cool. I, I mean, we both started our podcast in 2014, but if you're still thinking on the fence about starting a podcast to help grow your business, um, it's still early days in my opinion. I mean, yeah, we're tech people, we're online people, we're like kind of early adopters, but there's just so much. I mean, podcasts are going to get even easier to get access to in cars and things like that. Like they're going places. It's mm-hmm. It's like what YouTube did to TV it's kind of like that for radio it's it's pretty amazing yeah i mean i think i think even just as a little side thing there is like if you're starting up a business bring your customers onto your podcast and if you're serving people and you're helping people um you could widen your network in that way you could bring on colleagues you could bring on potential customers highlight 
existing customers and things like that where the, your show is essentially your marketing. Um, and it's super easy, like you said. Like you can, I mean, they've got apps on the phone now where you just press record and, you know, boom, the, the phone conversation records that way. It's so easy nowadays that, you know, now it's just a matter of uploading it to a website and away you go. And it's, you don't need like Joe Rogan numbers. Right, like right. everybody, everybody's like, "Oh, podcast so hard." I mean, there's a lot of work to marketing it and getting folks on the show. But look, if you're if it's focused in on your business, then do whatever it is for your business. Don't worry about those big numbers because you just need whatever you need into your business. Well, if you know your ideal client well, um, I'm like I have videos with like YouTube videos with extremely low view counts, but the people that actually care about what I'm talking about there are like a perfect fit client. Who cares if it's like a hundred views or whatever and not a hundred thousand. It's I'm talking to someone very specific. Um, That's, that's just the way it works. Um, And and speaking of bringing your ideal client onto the podcast, I think that's a brilliant move because there's this uh, concept called resonance, right? Like you and I, you 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 were kind of mentioning that we you were kind of resonating with like, oh, Chris is not super formal with a podcast. Like it's going to be laid back. It's going to be two people sitting on a porch talking, and the world gets to listen in. Which is how that's like my hack as a as a learner. I um I do like five uh, k every morning every day. Sometimes I was walking, sometimes I was running, but I'm always listening to a podcast. So for ten years, I've been learning, listening to other people's conversations who talk about things that are important to me. It's like a total hack. And um, but you start resonating with people that you attract certain people and you repel certain people. So mm-hmm. like for you, somebody doesn't if they're just looking at, oh, I'm just gonna outsource the dev, I'm just gonna throw something over the wall and just get it off my plate, like that's not your best client because you're you're a technology partner, a, a strategy partner. It's a partnership. That's like I, I can get that. And when people some people want that. Some and then some people have the other mindset, um, so that that resonance is cool. And the thing about bringing your customers on is, like, you resonate like as a leader in your business. But a client is going to have they're not. It's a different. They have a different avatar than you, the business owner or whatever. So, by bringing that ideal client on stage, it allows other people to have that subconscious resonance of like, oh. Yeah, I'm a already moving, somewhat successful business person. I I need to really level up on my marketing and stuff. Like it's and as and there's like somebody talking on your show about who's just like them. It's super mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, I mean it goes back to that whole social proof aspect. It's like on sales pages, people are like, I want to put like my, you know testimonials there. I want to put the Facebook grabs. I want to put the tweets on there that are talking about my business. This is like that on steroids, right? Like you you could talk for a half an hour, an hour with your customer um, and you want to attract more of those same customers. There's no better way than to have somebody sitting there talking to you and engaging with you and learning a little bit more like, like a fly on the wall, like you, like same thing. I try to do that. My show is like, I get asked all the time from guests, they're like, you have questions that you ask me? Nope. We're just going to have a conversation about this. And we're gonna go, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be back and forth. And it's a conversation where you feel comfortable enough 
ask me questions, right? And like, as the host, I want to answer questions too. So, you know, from that perspective, it's just like they'd walked into the room and now they're in a meeting, quote unquote, between me and another customer. And so it's super powerful in a way where like, just put little clips of audio things on your site. And I haven't yet done this. And, uh, and I say yet because something's in the works, but, um, I haven't yet done this because I just, it hasn't happened. My podcast isn't who I, for my services, isn't who I serve. Right. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny how like you can leverage the power of podcasting in a way that people don't ever think about. They're just yeah. like, all right, I just, you just churn these things out every single week. Um, you know, and, that's not always the case. You can be super specific with it. Um, there are small podcasts that are just local podcasts. Um, I saw a sticker the other day on the, in, at the pizza place by me, and it was a podcast for Oceanside, New York. And I was like, that's awesome, right? Like, small town? Oh, great. And I grabbed the listen just as here it was. Um, it wasn't superly overproduced or anything like that, but it was pretty cool. It was like you know, in or around the town and, and they talked about like current events and things that were going on in the town and stuff. So I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, but if that person, if that host had any ambition of working with local businesses, just bring them onto the show. You gave them a 30 minute or, or 45 minute commercial, right? Yeah. And like, boom. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. That's, that's super awesome. And I'm going to throw out a pro tip since we're wrapping on that. Um, one of the things is, it's relatively easy to get testimonials. A lot of people are scared to ask for them, but what's much harder to do are case studies. So one of my hacks is um, I will record a podcast with a customer and then I, I have somebody else who helps write up a case study out of it with their permission. So it's uh, the idea of doing a big detail, like, like jumping on an hour call is like no big deal, but the idea of like, all right, I need to do an interview and I tried it. I tried putting like a form on my site that I could ask the questions that I thought I needed answers to to build a great case study. And people didn't do the work. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, there's too much friction there. It didn't, but when they come on the show, it's like different. It's easier for them. It's easier for you. And then you can, you can do it. So that's my pro tip out there. What, what advice do you have uh, for, let's say somebody's building learning management system websites for clients? or membership sites, online courses, whatever they want to call them. And they're, they're a little bit newer to the game and they want to do this work, but there's this tension between when I'm early, I'll take any work that I can get. I just got to get paid. Um, but if, and that's, that's exactly what I did. Like it took me a while to specialize and get clear and all this stuff. But if we could go back and talk to an earlier version of ourselves, how can we, what's like version one of like, all right, I'm I'm open up I'm opening up shop to build these types of sites for clients. What kind of what what can I do to um, kind of help filter and attract the right people? Um, well, the early version of myself, I now I don't do this, but back then I I used to build out e-commerce sites. Very similar. It's like you know, it's just a type of site. Right. So if you're trying to build LMS or membership sites or whatever, 
what I did was I said, oh, let me build them from the ground up because there's plenty of people that have this idea that they want to put out there and I can do that. Uh, so let me do that. Well, what happens is, is that this isn't just a brochure site, right? There's a lot of things once it's launched that the business has to understand and how to manage it, right? So what I found out was a lot of these e-commerce sites that I would build a year or two later were no longer in existence, right? And what does that look like for me and my portfolio or my case study or so on and so forth when somebody clicks the link and they don't, don't doesn't go anywhere, 404 page, right? So what I did was, okay, I'm done doing build from the ground up. I want to build on top of existing. So if you know that, <clears throat> and the thing was, I was filling a gap because basically people would launch these websites, get it out there, get some traction, and then they wanted to put the final 20% of their business into the website. They basically just did it out of the box. So much in the same way, like I built LMS before. And so, you know, they, they don't know all of like, hey, what, what does the students really want? And members, what are they using? And they try to put all these bells and whistles in there. Well, go in whatever you're good at um, and start to try to identify maybe just out of the box installs of, let's say, Lifter LMS, right? That have no customization to it, right? But yet they've got students, they got members in there. And so maybe there's something there where the business now has a need to add new features, maybe a social element, maybe a gaming element, maybe something else to it that the students want. So now you can go into a conversation and say, hey, look, been doing this for a long, a little bit, um, and I know sites like yourself. Sometimes you have these ideas for gamification or a social board element, social profile element, or maybe you're trying to install a form into it. Things of that nature. Um, is any of those things popped up in your membership area or your your business before? And then they may say no, and that's fine. But if they say yes. Now you know that they have a specific need that you could help fulfill, um, and that is going to stick around, right? Because they've already got the traction inside of their own business. Um, they're just trying to enhance it and cater to their own quote-unquote customers. Um, so that would be my suggestion moving forward is like you want to find a client that's going to be around. You don't want somebody that just has an idea off of the back of a barbecue that they had over the weekend. Say, hey, yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, Facebook did it, right? And so I can do it. And like, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, so I would look for ways in which you can find a client that understands a little bit about the business. And that's only through being established in some way already. Um, and then identifying potential needs of that business um, that you could help fulfill that is amazing I, I learned a lot right there listening to you <laughs> and the um i think that idea well, one way i hear it said is it's a lot harder to build an online business to go from zero to a hundred thousand or whatever but to go from a hundred thousand to a million if you use that as a filter fit like a filter which feels scary 
as like, especially if you're newer, but like this, I need an established business owner that's already making money with their expertise. Let's say at least hundred K, maybe they're an author, speaker, coach, whatever. They're trying to stop living on hotel rooms and on planes and, and all being away from their family. And they're looking to productize their workshops or their public speaking or build a higher fidelity version of a book. Now that now we got something. And I'm not saying the beginners don't deserve to be helped or served, but um, they can, it can be a hard, more challenging client because, yeah, you might make the money. I mean, there's people who have an idea who have plenty of financial resources, but um, you might get paid and that's fine. But like you said, there's nothing. I know when you t- were telling your story, I could feel it in my heart where uh, I've seen cli- sites I struggled to build and like move mountains that just not there anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's kind of sad. I never, I never really kind of thought about that. I just, but I had experienced it before. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I can remember a couple of sites where like, you know, I, case one case was a hair salon, right. And they yeah. basically wanted to put up an online course to help stylists. And, you know, this was real early on in my career. And like, it was like pulling teeth to get anything from them. Like, and then it got down to the point where I was just like, you know, they were like, Oh, we need this to move a little bit, like the button to move a little bit. And like, you know, it just became very micromanaged. And it got to a point where like, I was like, all right, I I don't want to deal with this anymore because they had never, like I said, do you have a client list, like a a student list that you're going to launch this to? No, no, we're going to build it and they're going to come. Right. And, Okay, well, I've heard that before. And, but the thing is, it's like you don't know that this happened. Well, once our relationship ended, it was literally eight months later, I went back to the site. Their, own, their whole salon wasn't even there anymore. Like, it wasn't even like, I'm like, where did this go? So I Googled it and it was gone. Like, I don't know what they had with their business. I don't know if this was like the last hurrah to try to save the business or something. But I mean, for me, it was like, if they don't understand exactly where they could be in their business, um, then for me, that was a tough pill to swallow on my end because they were looking for me to give them the world for the cheapest price and they wanted it done in the way that they thought it was. So like, you just want to write the lines of code yourself because (laughs) (laughs) that's what you're telling me to do. So uh, that's, that's why I started looking for more established businesses to, like you said, like if it's an online coach or if it's a, a live coach rather, you know, trying to look for an online version of what they already do. So they have money coming in. Maybe it's a way like they do want to save some time. And that, to be honest with you, you're not building them the website, right? What you're building them is to save time. Their solution is to save time. They don't want to travel anymore, this, that, and the other thing. And that's the other side of the coin that you really have to, you get better at is that when you're crafting your ideal client, who, what's their actual motivation, right? For a lot of my clients is the same motivation that I have. It's to be able to actually get away from the screen and live their life. Right, whether that's spend time with their family, whether that's to travel, whatever. Right, but what I do for my clients is automation. They don't want to. They want to stop the hours and hours and hours of manual 
cut and pasting and trying to figure out how to launch things, but they also want to capitalize on their investments too um, in a way that dropping people into an email sequence that that everybody goes through um, is not really cost is not effective use of their ad money right so what I've found is okay let me see who's selling things online um, who's a coach who's uh, running a course membership, you know, things like that, that, well, they might be primed for wanting to step away from their selling, right? They don't want to do the quarterly launches anymore because it burns them out or they want to change from that, that open close cart process into more of an evergreen sales pitch. And so I'm saving them time. I'm not building them their ConvertKit account, although that's the actual technical things that I do. But what the result is, is that now they have time back in their day to do whatever they want to do. And that's why they started their business in the first place. And once you hit on that, that's actually what will drive more people to you because they'll just refer their friends to you and so on and so forth. You'll just knock down that first domino. That is so well said. The world has changed. Um, companies used to put the product at the center of the universe. The companies that win now put their customer at the center of the universe and surround them with support. And they focus on their goals, buying, buying back time, you know, financial freedom, whatever. There's all this stuff that they want. It's not your product's important and part of the journey, but the product is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Res is at res.com, R E triple Z.com. You also have an email course on your website. Can you tell mm-hmm. us how to get it and what we can get out of it? Sure. Um, you could go to res.com. It's right there front and center. You can't miss it. And it's a, a sequence of five emails. Um, and it helps you get clients. Um, the underlying thing is also your ideal client. It helps you kind of craft that. But it's a set of videos and exercises that, one, you're going to learn how to look at Twitter in a way that maybe you haven't looked at it before to get clients. Um, that's one way. Um, how to use Craigslist. Um, you know, people look down on Craigslist, but I got PGA, Gander Mountain, and Sony all through Craigslist um, using these sort of methods. And so it's just a matter of being able to implement certain things, being diligent about your time, um, and being really specific on who you're looking for. Um, and this is essentially your runway in order to do that. That is amazing. And one more quick question before we go. Why? I think it's it's awesome to have the self-wisdom and knowledge to um, know what you like and know what you don't like. What do you like about being solo operator? Because I see in the course creation space, I see both avatars. I see people who they're like, I don't want a team. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to scale it and do it, work within my constraint. And there's other people who are like, I need a giant team behind me. So like what? How's that work for you? Like what, what is it that, that, yeah, for me, look, I, you know, I worked for fortune 100 companies and small boutique design firms as well. I managed teams before upwards of 30 some odd people. Um, and managing developers is a unique sort of position <laughs> to be in. Yeah. Um, 
where there's a lot of people skills that you have to have. I'm not saying yeah. that any other manager is any different, but it's just for me as a developer, I'm a creator. I like to be able to engage at a level with the clients that managing a team may not give me, but also to be able to just move interests or like just be able to, you know, shift my day because, you know, my son is having a bad one. Right. So yeah. I could go outside and play with him versus, oh, I have to stay here and, and, you know, manage a team or there's a client meeting or so on and so forth. It just allows me that freedom and flexibility to run the business the way that I want to. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not for everyone. It's just for me. That's awesome. Jason Resnick, res, uh, res with three Z's.com. Go check out his email course. I know. So the, the thing is, the cool thing about podcasts, why I love them is, and what I try to do is I try to take somebody like Jason's decades of experience and condense it down into like days or ideally like 45-ish minutes. So I know that you've taken all your experience. How, do I, how can I add incredible value for somebody um, who's trying to get more clients and condense that down into five emails? Uh, I know it's rock solid. Go check it out at res. Dot com And thank you so much, Jason, for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue freedom, and impact in your life, head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.